uh, that's, uh, that is the uh, first time, you know, whether you're watching online or here, that I saw that video, and it's just moving. You know, that I get, to be a chan- I get a chance to be a part of a church that just cares so much about what God's doing around the world. And so it just kind of moves me to tears. So just thank you for allowing, you know, me to be a part of this, you know, these last seven years. Just really, really cool. We will never know the impact that God has and continues to do, you know, through just even those resources. So as uh, Jason said, though, uh, welcome to Vision Weekend. And uh, I-, I don't know if you've ever needed to get your family together or maybe you got uh, coworkers together, a sports team together, and you needed to have just a family conversation. You need to, to remind the family why we're here, what we're doing, and where we're going. And that's what this weekend is all about. We're gonna talk about why we're here as a church, individuals who make up Valley Real Life and where we're going. Now, if you're new with us, uh, this is a perfect weekend to join because most of what I'm talking about does not apply to you yet. And so you get a chance to kind of peel back the curtain and be able to kind of see what God is doing around here. And you can begin to ask yourself, because I want you to answer this question by the time that we're done. Is this a place that God is calling me to join with? Is this a place that God wants me to journey with a group of people who are on mission together? And so with that being said, why don't we pray, you know, for our time together and see what God has in store. Lord, thank you so much for what you have done and what you're about to do. Father, we are just on the precipice of just some amazing things, and we just look forward to hearing directly from you. And Father, all of us, whether we're watching online or we're here in the room, may we just answer this question, God, here am I. What would you have me to do? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, most of us uh, love new. We love things that are new. We love experiences that are new. Uh, Whether it's a, a new day that you wake up after a great night's sleep, just refreshed and ready to go. Maybe it's a new experience or a, a new outfit, uh, a new pair of shoes, a new, or for some of us, a newer car, you know, that's, uh, that's new to you or, or a new snowfall, you know, a, a new season, a, a new year that comes, a, a new football season where my Seahawks have a chance to win the Super Bowl. You know, I just get, I get excited, you know, about things that are new. And it doesn't mean that I don't like things that are older. It's actually the opposite. Sometimes new helps us to appreciate the things that we do have and the things that are older in our lives. But allow me to be real with you for just a second. Uh, over the last two years, it has been brutal on all of us. Uh, we have gone through so much, and you've heard about the great resignation you know, that has taken place across our country, and I want to make sure you understand that is also applied to churches and to pastors. I can't tell you how many pastors have chosen to retire early or chosen to get out of it altogether because, like me, they went into it trying to care and love for people, and they felt like the last couple years uh, that they've been beaten up and became politicians instead of actually trying to shepherd the people of God. And it's been hard, and you've had your own experiences as well, but I want to tell those of you who might be new to our church, especially over the last year, what you have meant to me. Uh, I've had so many of of, of you who've been a part of our church for a long time, the elders, the leaders, the staff, you've encouraged, you've come alongside me, but it has been those of you who are new, who over the last year as I was in the lobby, I would shake your hands as you're coming out, I heard time and time again phrases like this, wow, Dan, God is just doing some amazing things in this church and through this group of people. 
And in my mind, I thought, he is? And then outwardly, I'd say, he is. But what that did is it reinforced, because sometimes when you're in the midst of the storm, sometimes when you're in the midst of the season, it's hard to see things that are going really well. And sometimes it takes a new perspective or a new set of eyes to be reminded that God is at work, he's been at work, and he's going to continue to be at work through his people here at Valley Real Life. And so I just want to thank those of you, you know, who said that to me or other people, and, and you have been that kind of encouragement into our own lives and in my own life personally. Now, I'm not the only one who likes new. Do you know who else likes new? Jesus. Uh, let me give you just a few examples from God's word about what he thinks about things that are new. Isaiah 43, 19. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Psalms 40, verse 3. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne and his name is Jesus said, I am making everything new. See, that has spoke to me, you know, like, like never before as I look past this last year and our word for this next year is new. That's our word as we come into this, this year, and, and who knows how long we're going to keep this word. Now, this isn't a new church. You've been around here for a little while, but it is a renewed focus on the reason why we're here, a new energy, a new reminder of who we are and where God is calling us to go. See, when you've gone through storms and you come on the other side of it, you need to be reminded and you need to remind others of the direction that you're headed in or the new emphasis. To some of you, what I'm about to talk through is going to be brand new. You've never heard it before. To others of you, my hope is to newly get your attention. See what I did right there? You know, newly get, so anyway. You know, this lesson I think is best exemplified actually in the Old Testament through a book that many of you probably do not know, and it's the book of Ezra. In fact, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Ezra chapter three, and a lot of this will be on the screens, but I wanna make sure you can reference it as you go 
through your own time with God this week. In Ezra chapter three, verse one, it begins with this. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a united purpose. See, it starts with a group of people being united in a common goal, united in a common purpose. Now, for the nation of Israel, their common purpose and their goal at this time in their history was to build, or I should say rebuild, the temple of God. That was their calling. That was what God had charged them to do. That was their common purpose. And they would spend time, talents, and treasures in making this happen. In fact, in verse 8, it says, The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile or COVID. Whatever you want to put in there is fine with me. So who made up the workforce? Everyone, okay? Who made up the workforce? Say it with me. Everyone made up the workforce. The Levites, which were the pastors and the priests of the Jewish people in those days, were the tw- who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple, but it involved everyone. See, God instructed the pastors and priests to lead the people in building the temple. Just like today, God has called us to partner with him to build his church. It is not for just the pastors to do it. In fact, as God begins to unfold, it's for the pastors to oversee and help the people to experience that there's a part that all of us play. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you, and then the Greek that is translated to English, that word all really means all. All of you, there is no mistranslation there, together are Christ's body and each one of you is a part of it. So how are we supposed to do this? Because God gives specific instruction to the Israelite people on how to build the temple. He gives us just a specific instruction. For he tells us in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So when you receive Jesus Christ and you will be my witnesses, which is telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so at Valley Real Life, we tried to simplify this down and remind us renewed vision that our vision is to we, together, are supposed to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. One new person at a time. See, it's clear that the tendency of most people is to actually move towards comfort. You ever notice that in your life? Our natural tendency is not to, to move towards things that are going to challenge or stretch us, but it's actually to, to work our ways towards comfort. And unfortunately, that's what happens in many churches. As people get settled and they get relationships and they find what they believe that God has given them, they tend to focus inward and forget the mission and the purpose of the church, which is actually outward. Now, why do we say this? Why is this our focus? Because it was Jesus' focus. In Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose, and that was his mission. Then it starts there, but it continues. It's not just to reach people, but it's actually to build them up. 
which is why Jesus gives us the great commission, which is in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How do we do this, Jesus? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's great. That's step one. Now teach these new disciples, new disciples, to obey all the commands that I have given you. So teach them God's word, specifically the words that Jesus has taught his disciples, the new covenant that he has now left them, but he tells them, he goes, don't just teach them the words, make sure that they're putting it into practice to obey the words. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So just like those first disciples, our mission is we will commit to being and making new disciples for Jesus. It starts with us, and it continues through us on this journey. So in 2022, we sat, we sat down and we processed through, what is a specific goal we could rally around with this emphasis of reaching people and discipling people? What is the way that this could look that we could kind of gravitate towards? Because just like Joy to the World, we didn't just say, give money to Joy to the World and we'll figure it out later. We just felt like God was calling us to give towards water projects in Uganda and the Philippines. And we even threw out a specific goal of $200,000, which you blew out of the water. And so we said, well, what can that goal look like for us with this vision? And so we came up with this statement. Our goal is to see 25% new spiritual growth in every area of our relational discipleship process. That is accept, belong, contribute, and disciple. More on that in a couple minutes. But where do we start? Remember, we are called to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, and then make followers of Christ. What I don't have time to get into, if you get to go back, is in Ezra chapter 3, before they begin the building of the temple, before they begin building the church, they took time to worship the Lord. They took time to confess their sins. They took time to get right with God before they built anything for God. And so it starts with us and the journey that God has for us, and then God wants to continue that through us. And there are three specific ways that we're going to be able to focus on in order to accomplish this goal for this year. First way is that new people, and here's the challenge for you to internalize individually and for us as a church, that every person would commit to invite three new people or three new families to attend a service or event in 2022. So we always want to live with a sense that this could be the last year of this church's existence. Whether Jesus returns or we go to meet him, that we should live with a sense of urgency of proclaiming to the world the good news of Jesus Christ in our backyard, in our nation, and yes, in the opportunities that God gives us around the world. So our youth ministry knows that their focus is going to be going after new middle school and high school students. Our children's ministry, our CR ministry, our women's ministry, our men's ministry events, every person, every area focused on new people. Why? Because that was Jesus's focus. And we want to be people after Jesus to do the things of Jesus in the way of Jesus so that Jesus can get the honor and glory. Now, as you know, the reason that we wanted to provide wells, or well, maybe you don't, 
in Uganda. The reason that we wanted to provide water distribution areas in the Philistines, in the Philistines, that's funny. <laughs> that would be an Old Testament reference. Uh, in the Philippines, I can't tell you how many times I've actually done that on online devotionals, but that's a whole different story, is not just because they needed clean water. See, that, that would be good, but we'd be no different than an NGO or just a great nonprofit. But the primary reason that we chose water to be able, it was so that the churches could teach people about the living water, which is Jesus Christ. That they would use the physical water to be able to help with an absolute need for life on this side of eternity. But they would present them with the living water that is Jesus that would give them hope throughout all eternity. That's why we partnered with Uganda. That's why we wanted to help these, support these churches. They're going to be raising and impacting people for potentially years or generations to come. In our backyard, in Green Acres, Spokane Valley, Liberty Lake, Spokane, even the Post Falls, Otis Orchard region, region what is our opportunity that's like water to the Ugandans? What is our opportunity to build bridges to those who don't yet know Jesus? Do you want to know what one of those is? Kids. We are a nation that values and sometimes overvalues the priority of kids in our lives. We are a child-centric culture. And so one of the core targets this year is to focus on families. I don't know if you realize this or not, but they've done studies in America... And in our backyard in America, most people accept Jesus Christ before the age of 13. That's the first time that they accept Christ. So why wouldn't we focus on a generation and an age where they could impact their friends and families could impact families for Jesus Christ? So we have sense from a building standpoint that we want to do what we can to focus on this area so that we can use this tool to invite new people so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we are theming out our kids area to be done by Easter. This is why we're, we're not doing it for our own kids. They're already here. Now, are they going to enjoy it? Yes. But we're not doing it for that purpose. They're going to benefit from it, but we're doing it for those who are not yet connected. It's why we're doing an indoor playground that will eventually be done by this fall. It's not already for those coming. We know what an opportunity for a very large indoor playground could mean for conversations to be started about and for the name of Jesus Christ. In the same way that wells are to Uganda, a playground is to our own backyard with people in our community. We also know that relationships and connection opportunities are critical for people to accept Jesus Christ. It happens in relationships. This is why we are expanding our lobby by the end of this year. So that we can have more room to be able, especially in some of these winter months, for us to be able to continue to congregate, continue to connect, and continue to invest in people. It is also why that we are working really hard to add an additional road that will exit this facility out to Henry Road. It's not for the people that are already coming. It's for those new people that can easily come in and out. It's the same reason that we invest every weekend, if you're here on Sundays, for a police officer at Sprague and Barker. 
No, that is not generosity from the city. That is from us. Because we know what a first-time visitor in America, in our backyard, how long it took for them to get from the parking lot to the freeway. We are trying to do everything that we can in our power to find ways to build bridges like water in Uganda to people in our community so that they can hear the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is why we're here. So the challenge is, who are three people, three families that God has put in your path to invite to an event or a service in 2022? If you came into the building here at Barker, you were handed one of these cards that you see on the screen. If you're online, in the next couple days, there's going to be some social media opportunities to be able to put this on your smartphone or other places, but go ahead and grab a piece of paper. And what we want you to do is be able to pray, who is somebody that I know who is in high school? Who is somebody that I know that's in middle school? Who is somebody that I know that is a family? Who is a relative? Who is a friend? Who is a coworker, a neighbor? Who is somebody that God has placed in my sphere of influence that I should be praying for regularly and looking for opportunities to invite so that they too can come to know Jesus? This is one of the primary reasons why we are here. And my prayer is that you will take that card and you will place it somewhere where it will be a constant reminder of the opportunity that God's gonna bring in your life, whether you're online or here, to be able to impact people for all eternity. Now in Ezra, and as we talked about, it took everyone to accomplish the goal. It wasn't just a couple people. It took everyone to get involved, everyone to say, we are part of the project. Some people were builders, but if you go back to the early part of Ezra chapter three, you'll notice that people also contributed financially. That these people who didn't have the skills of labor, they contributed financially to the building of the temple. Now, many of you guys know that every year we take two special offerings. Every single year since I've been here. One, Christmas Eve. We have now just dubbed it every year now from this point going forward calling Joy to the World. And 100% every dollar goes outside in our local community or in our nation or somewhere in our world. And we want to do that every Christmas Eve. The second offering that we take every single year where 100% goes is on Mother's Day weekend we take an offering where every cent comes in and goes to a strategic initiative that's going to impact people in our church or directly in our community with the name of Jesus Christ. And so in order for these things that we've just talked about, we've called this Pave the Way. Pave the Way is the expanded lobby. It's the road. It's the kids area. And the goal had been to get $500,000 to be able to get a good chunk of that paid for as we move forward. So far to date, we're at $290,000, which means that we are looking for $210,000 more to be able to continue to move forward in confidence with the things that we believe that God is asking us to do in our own church and backyard. So here's what we're asking for everybody to be involved in inviting and everybody to consider giving generously in the same way that we do at Joy of the World for Christmas Eve towards reaching our community for Jesus one person at a time. And you can begin to give both right now and all the way through, you know, Mother's Day in the same way we've done with Joy to the World. 
Now, if we continue to grow and reach people for Jesus, I wanna give you a heads up. We also talked about expanding an auditorium and being able to do some of those things in our youth ministry. We've got some plans and some projects that we're just saying, God, you bring the people and we wanna make sure we are honoring to you. Now, every once in a while, I get someone who says, Dan, isn't our church big enough? Or they say, you know what? I don't really like big churches. And I say, I get it. I grew up in a church that was about 200 people. We never got above 250, and that's when we've counted pregnant ladies too. You know, that's uh, how we could actually count, you know, on, on Easter weekends and stuff like that. But here's the problem. If you don't like big churches, you're not gonna like heaven because there's gonna be a lot of people. I read in the Bible, every tribe and tongue and language is all gonna be there. I'm not gonna say introverted people. You will have a chance to get away from the people. I'm just saying Jesus died for everyone. And he wants as many people to come and know him. And we want to be that church. We don't care about fame. We don't care about fortune. We care about the name of Jesus and him being proclaimed to the world. And you and I get to be a part of that. That's something we can get excited about. So first, new people. Going after new people, inviting new people. Secondly, new next steps. Every person, so looking at yourself in the mirror and the friends around you, every person to take a new next step in their discipleship journey with Jesus. So my question for you, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, what is the next step that God is calling from you to go deeper with him? What is the next step that he is asking you, not just to go to church, but actually to be a follower of him? Every single person in this room, every single person online has a next step. We call this ABCD. The first one is like, maybe some of you, your next step is for accepting Christ. It's to be baptized and maybe to start connecting with Jesus regularly. For some of you, you need to bring Jesus into your marriage. I know that this season has been hard. And I know that it's caused a lot of marriages to, to come to the point of crisis, you know, and some of you considering, you know, of divorce and separation because of the strain of these last couple years. And it's now more than ever that you need to bring Jesus into your marriage and say, we're going to put a, a, a stake in the ground in our marriage. Maybe it's in your families. Here's what I could tell you for me. My next step is to take to heart our last series, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I've put into place some of those things that is making a difference and entrusting God to do more than what I think I could do for him, but saying, God, you can do more if I can actually live the life that you've called me to live. What is your next step? Maybe it's accepting Christ, being baptized, and start a connection with him. Secondly, maybe you're, you're looking for new people to belong to Christ's family through weekend services and life groups. What that means is that you or your friend, your next step is to be like, you know what? I'm gonna make weekend services a priority. I'm gonna actually come. I'm gonna show up. And when I can't make it because I'm sick or I'm out of town, then I'm gonna join online. And I'm gonna make this a priority because I know what this is like and how important it is for me to connect with God through worship and the word on a weekly basis. For some of you, that means you're gonna stop just attending our church. You're gonna say, this is my church family. And you're gonna come to DNA sometime this year. In fact, our next one is actually Sunday, which is from one to four right here. And so if that's today, just come, just be a part of. You don't need to sign up, just show up. It, we already have over 80 people signed up. We're actually gonna meet in the auditorium because we can't fit in some of the other rooms. What a great opportunity to come be a part of that. 
Now, for some of you, it's getting into a life group. You've, uh, you've prioritized some other things, but we know that the best way to grow in Jesus is not in rows, it's in circles. We know that the best way for you to become like Jesus is gonna be rubbing shoulders with other people who also wanna become like Jesus in men's groups or women's groups or CR groups or young adult groups or youth groups or kids' groups. I mean, all the groups that we have here to experience him in a deeper and more profound way. For some of you, we're gonna be looking at new people contributing time, talents, and treasures to God. You know, for some of you, that means you know, that uh, you're gonna be involved in serving. Gosh, when, when COVID happened, so did all of our servers. And I'm gonna tell you, for those of you guys who are online who've been waiting, it's time to come back and get involved. It's time to start serving. We talked about this kids area, and we're gonna see lots more kids that are gonna come to the Lord. We need more help in the kids areas. What an opportunity. In our youth areas, what an opportunity. In greeting and hosting and tech ministry, working cameras, what an opportunity to be able to serve the Lord in ways that he has called, gifted, wired you to serve. For some of you, it's gonna be actually starting to financially trust your resources to the Lord, to give regularly and working towards a tithe and then even giving generously beyond that, that you're gonna say, God, I'm gonna trust you, even though it doesn't make sense like we talked about when it came to, you know, to our Ruthless Animation of Hurry series, when it came to Sabbath, but I'm gonna trust you and watch to see what God's gonna do. Why are we asking you to do these things? Is it because we wanna be built up? No. The person who serves is actually the one who's blessed. The person who gives is actually the one who's blessed. This is how you grow in your faith in the Lord. Maybe for some of you, God is calling you to disciple others in intentional relational environments. Maybe he's calling you to step out, starting in your family, to start leading your family in the Lord, your roommates, whatever your home situation may be. Uh, maybe for you, you know, it's actually leading a life group. And it's a, being willing to be an apprentice in a men's group or a women's group. Others of you, it's time for you to go deeper in your discipleship journey through what's called radical mentoring for guys or sacred mentoring for women. Now, allow me to be clear. This is specifically for those who have already been in a life group, who've already gone through DNA, who've begun to serve. This is a nine-month commitment. This is not where you want to jump in. It's like a kid who's never swam before, and you jump in the deep end of the pool, and you hope somebody rescues you. Somebody will rescue you, but the purpose of these groups is actually your commitment and in being involved in radical mentoring or sacred mentoring is so that after a year, nine months to a year being poured into that you would then take the mantle of responsibility and pour in yourself to somebody else in our youth ministry or life group ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, or somewhere else like that, that you're gonna be a disciple who then after that year says, I'm gonna now make disciples. Maybe that's your next step. These groups, this nine-month journey for men and for women start in a little over a week. So you're gonna wanna sign up very soon if this is your next step. So what's your next step? And who can you invite on the journey to take your spiritual next step? We want to reach people for Jesus like nobody else, but we also want to become like Jesus in the way that he's called, wired, and designed us. What does that look like for you? And what does that look like for those around you? Lastly, and you can see that we've already started, is a new digital discipleship, clear discipleship pathway, and tools that move new people from spectator to relational environments. See, what COVID did is it accelerated the direction of our society. 
It accelerated where we were going. We have a digital generation that's coming up and it sped things up. I was the guy who said, there is no way we're gonna do an online church. What does that even mean? Online church, that can't even be of the Lord until we couldn't meet. Then I'm like, I guess I'm in for online church because the only way to connect and online devotionals, you know, and online groups and online outreach opportunities, online was like, okay, this Lord is a whole different paradigm. Now, why was it hard for me? Because it was new and different. Do you realize that it's always been the church that has had the hardest time when it comes to change? See, we somehow get stuck on the method instead of the message. We marry a method instead of the message. Let me give you an example. Did you know that there were church people at one time who believed that the Bible should never be put in the hands of common people? And when the printing press came out, they're like, heresy. See, they were caught up into the method without realizing the message, which is the word of God, is what's most important. Did you know at one time that when they introduced an organ, an organ to worship music that they wanted to lynch that person. They wanted to stone them. They said, this is an abomination. Did you know when a guitar came on stage, they said, this is the devil music because it wasn't a piano and it wasn't hymnals? You know, did you know when we stopped using hymnals and went to transparencies, people are like, I'm out of here. Do you know when people went from the King James version to the, new, the NIV version of the Bibles that people actually said, I'm not being a part of this church because they're not using the Bible that Jesus used? You're just like, what are you talking about? Because church people get comfortable with the method instead of the message. The message is the word of God. The message is worship of God, and it's gonna take different ways and different ways that we're gonna be able to do that. Like, for example, there's a big screen behind me. It's a lot bigger than what it was two weeks ago. And I was like, what is happening? You know, with our church, you know, we're becoming all about the show. Or could it be another engagement opportunity especially for those who are online, or as I leaned over to my 15-year-old son on Sunday and said, what do you think? He says, that keeps my attention a lot better, Dad. I'm like, I'm in, right? If my teenager focuses more on the message and the worship of Jesus, I wanna do whatever I can to help him become more like him. That's what we're about. So we're gonna try to figure out how do we do this? Now we know, <laughs> we learned, we're not supposed to stay in the digital age. We're not supposed to just have relationships digitally. It is an entry point to where we can actually meet relationally. And so we're discovering what that looks like as we continue to go through. In addition, we know we gotta improve some things. So by summer, we're hoping to have a brand new app and a brand new website. So a new app is internal communication and connection. For inside information, how do you get connected and signed up? And a, and a new website is going to be external. It's the front door. You know that, right? People don't come to our church firstly through the front door. They come to our church firstly through our website. And so we're like, oh, my, when I grew up, it was the front door was the front door. Now the front door is online. I don't know. I'm getting old. But I'm trying to learn on how we're supposed to engage this next generation. So how do we plan on growing 25% this next year spiritually, 
in our growth. First is everybody invite three new people. Everyone take and encourage others to take one major step in our discipleship journey. And all of us realize that there's a digital opportunity that connects to people even around the world. It's crazy when I get a response from the Philippines or Uganda saying, really appreciated your message, Pastor Dan. I'm like, what? This is crazy to see what God is doing. Let me end with this warning. Remember, we have an enemy who wants to discourage or stop us at every turn. And there are two things that happen that the enemy wants to use. Let's go back to our passage in Ezra chapter three. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But, I'm telling you, I'm going to preach a series, all the buts of Scripture. You know, this is going to be one of them. But many of the older priests, the Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in a distance. What a picture! There's a whole group of people like, isn't this amazing of what we get to be a part of for God? And there's a whole other group of people like, oh my gosh, it's not like it used to be. Why can't it be like it used to be? And there's this mingling that's taking place, which reminds us that discouragement comes from two areas. First is discouragement from the inside. I can tell you this is the hardest one for me. Those who are more concerned about the past, concerned about our comfort, more concerned about being right in opinions and preferences than in the mission of Jesus Christ. And we can find this seeping out. The second one is discouragement from outside that that's gonna happen, that Satan's gonna try to attack. How do I know this? Ezra 4.4, then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans, which is why we need to be armored up. We need to be ready that the songs that we just sang about the battle belongs to the Lord, we are in a battle for people's souls, beginning with ours. We're in a battle. And we need to be ready for that battle. So who are you praying and planning on inviting? What is your next step in your discipleship journey? And who can you ask to join you on that journey? Just like in Ezra's time, it took God's people partnering with God to fulfill the purposes of God for the glory of God. For such a time as this, you are here. God has you here for a reason. And it is not just to sit and consume that is part of it, but it's to be a part of something greater that none of us could do individually that we could look back on and say, I got to be a part of building his church. I got to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he gets to look at me and he gets to look at you and say these powerful words, well done, good and faithful servant we don't know the time we have left. We don't know the opportunities that God's gonna give us, but we do know we're going to walk through confidently and we're gonna walk through together in unity, giving all the glory to him. In Isaiah 43, 19, it says, for I am about to do something new. See, 
I have already begun, Valley Real Life. Do you not see it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and this moment and this hour. And Lord, I'm just so excited to see what you're gonna do. Father, you've just led us, Lord, to just move forward in confidence. And we're just excited, Father, as, as this COVID thing or whatever we're in becomes a new normal, that we would just embrace the task that is in front of us, the opportunities that we have. We pray for those who don't yet know you to come to know you. We pray for our own next step and our journey with you. We pray for the opportunities the digital landscape is gonna bring. And we pray, Father, that all of this endeavor brings glory to your name. We thank you for 2022, already ahead for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.